This is Bruce. This is John. This is Trav. This is Rich. Welcome to the TriTech Games Podcast. Your podcast of being a regular Joe until the lit shows up. And then you get to be awesome if you yes. got the guts. And if you're not awesome, your guts will be all over the place. What's the one movie? I want blood and gore and beans in my teeth. I eat one. Money, dead little rat bodies want to kill. Yeah. Wow. This week we are talking about courage. What business does it have in your role playing game? What helps it? What hurts it? Why does anybody want it to have it? Uh, to have it? Uh, because after all, this is all about winning, isn't it? You don't win in role playing games. <laughs> sure you do. You live, right? Is that winning? Yeah. Uh. It's existing. <laughs> so, Chad, where, where do you put uh, D20 at? Uh, OGL. It's- as far as what? As far as how it deals with courage? Well, uh, also, yeah, also yeah, does it get in the way? Is it too crunchy? Is it not crunchy? For OGL, there are, I mean, obviously you have certain things in the game, like if you fail a will save, depending on the power or effect that you're dealing with, like Let's, oh, what, best example. Uh, a dragon and its frightful presence, and you make the will save, and depending if you're more, um, if you're above or below uh, four hit dice, I think you're either panicked or shaken. And panicked is a much worse form of shaken, and it bestows penalties upon you, and you act accordingly. I think when you get to cowering, you were unable to act. You were there against a wall, you know, your arms up like, don't hit me. But the the lesser versions of coward, you can still act. You just have a minus. Let's say shaken, I think you take a minus two to attack, attack, save, skill and ability checks. So you're still shooting. Your hand may be shaking a little and your aim may be a little off but you're still able to act. And if you hit it, if you make the hit still, you know, you can role play that, you know, you were still, despite your fear, you were courageous enough to make the shot that took down the enemy commander, you know? Right. Yeah. Unfortunately in the game, uh, there's the only way of getting rid of that kind of stuff usually is by somebody casting some kind of a clerical spell to remove the fear and then you're fine. But there doesn't seem to be, there's no recovery mechanism that's built into the game to let you, you know, get out of that. Here is something that I have found. It is from 
Adamant Entertainment, and it is called Tactical Implant, the Definitive D20 Guide for Cyberpunk Combat Options. Now, you can use this with any any um, genre, but they made it specifically for... And it's called A Blade of Morale. I'll, I'll read the, the flavor text here real quick. Men, bleh, if I can read correctly... Mental preparedness is the key to victory. Battle-hardened mercenaries can shrug off carnage that would leave the average person paralyzed with shock. To simulate this, use the following system. In it, morale is a limited resource. Like hit points, it can be chipped away until characters are too shocked to participate. Every character has a new trait. Morale points. And uh, let's see. Uh, morale points are modified by characters' wisdom scores or the con score. And you lose morale. And you're fine to begin with. But over time... You take morale damage. It's going to be things like an ally flees or is injured, or they die in front of you, or you have a bizarre opponent, such as a different species or undead or whatever. Uh, you enter a, a combat in progress. You fail to make a fort save. And just all these different situations, you can sit there and have the stat, and you can, with that, I feel that it helps. And I've used it once, and it was sort of a mixed reaction. But I feel something like this would help to simulate that better for those who may not want to role-play it, but they, they, they're, they're just some people who, for the rules lawyers, they want the crunch. They want to have to tick that down due to the events around them. There are people that role-play like that. Well, it's it, it actually sounds like it's wargaming that because it you know because that 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 accusation has been made against D and D a long time that it's more of a war game with role with role playing elements added to it rather than a true role playing game. But having played a lot of games, I think you can throw that at a lot of, lot of other games too. But it, it does sound it's taking a lot of decision making out of both the GM and the player's hands and how to do things. I mean, it's sort of like the fright table in Savage Worlds where you're pretty much told how you're going to be frightened by a situation, which may or may not be actually appropriate to the fright. You know, uh, that's sometimes I think rolling up, how frightened am I? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm 10 points frightened. Doesn't do the same thing as, you know, the, a good description from the GM and you actually sort of think in your head how frightened your character is. Using stats like this, it depends on the level of the role player. More advanced people, more advanced role players are going to have that ability after years of doing it to role play being courageous, where they will just say, okay, I'm going to make it where my character is scared. He's facing off against a zombie. It's coming at him. He's got one bullet left. He knows if he misses this shot, he's lunch. And, you know, he'll role play, the player will role play the tension. Others, they may want the stat, you know, your Savage Worlds table or this ablative morale, because that's how the, it, it, in their mind, it helps them. I guess it's like method acting in a way, but you have the stat which helps you role play it. That's the way you describe it. And so, yeah, it, it depends on the player. I mean, if you're advanced, I mean, the four of us here each have at least three decades, and I'm, I'm, I'm the, the newbie out of us four at least three decades of role-playing experience, so we can sit there and kind of dispense with a stat for courage and just say, okay, this is the situation? Yeah, my character would be, you know, 
one step away from brown trousers, you know, just. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I had a situation with my uh, ex-wife uh, when she was still my wife, uh, where we were playing, um, uh, well, I, uh, it was either, Ga- I think it was Gamma World uh, <clears throat> by somebody <laughs> who really wanted to play uh, uh, Moral Project. And because uh, so we, we all started in some bolt hole, you know, uh, uh, getting decanted out of the cryo tanks. I was basically somebody who was like, you know, into teaching you how to be, you know, um, athletics and gymnastics and all this kind of stuff like that. So I was, you know, part of the conditioning of the of, of the of the soldiers and the various personnel. But, of course, there's only a few of us. So we go out and uh, and my wife's playing this. This person on this 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 on the surface, basically, she's just a native, and they they've run and we she's run into our group and she's joined up, and I get to the situation where some monster jumps out of the woods, and I pull my gun and I fire the gun, and it's like you know I I I said what gun should I use? They said oh a forty four magnum is a good choice, and it just goes boom, and I go and I drop the gun. <laughs> Okay, I mean, this was purely a role-playing thing, and she was so fur- her kid was so furious at me. You know, it's like like you know, how dare you appear to be a weak, helpless female? You know, it, it just gave me all kinds of, of of grief about that. You know, me, uh, you know, to the point where I was beginning to wonder whether she was role-playing or she was serious. <laughs> how dare you, my husband, play such a weak? You know. How dare you represent women uh, as weak, helpless creatures or something? I don't know. But anyways, I was like, you know, is sometimes people, when they try to act fearful uh, and uh, in order for them to be, to act courageous later on, get nothing but grief from the other players. They, you know, they actually, you know, I, I, I think there's the other players, I don't know, are suspicious that they're gaming, you know, the GM in some way to try to get, you know, I don't, but I, I wonder sometimes that the, the other people who play in the game actually discourage you from being heroic by by playing your character as weak, as weak as they really are. You know, if they're first level characters, you know, in a game where you've got characters that are twentieth level, you really should play your characters as pretty fearful, timid. You know, I'm trying my best, but I mean, I'm just first level. You know. Version five of D and D is designed that you're you're pretty much starting. Yeah, I would say mid level. You're not playing first level characters in 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 version five. You're playing mid level characters. Uh, that's not what I'm playing in my game. They're all pretty low level schmoes to me. <laughs> well, from from uh, well, from talking to other folks who've, who've played. Uh, I mean, I, uh, you know, remember I'm living in Seattle, home yeah. uh, home home of the place, and a lot of folks here will say a lot. Of, a lot of the com- the folk comments were. Compared to previous versions, uh-huh. these characters are at least fourth or fi- you know starting characters are at least fourth or fifth level mm. starting out, oh. so they're not first level schmoes, well. but they're you know they're higher level than first level because, I mean you have the monk problem, where monks you know have absolutely no have no, can't wear armor, can't use weapons, they only hand do d4 damage, first monster they meet they die. <laughs> 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 well, again, that hasn't happened in my game because we have a monk character. And he's doing fine. No, no, no. I'm talking. I'm talking original monks. The oh, original the original. Monks out. Well, the original monks had D, mm-hmm. had D four right, but they, you know, had you know, they had great armor classes, and you know, I mean, if they were in higher levels. No, no, they had great armor classes to begin with because they had because they always had maximum dexterity. 
you know. Mm, so that's true. And uh, well, you know, that's if GM lets you put your numbers where where you put your numbers where you want. Everybody, uh, all the all the GMs do. It's uh, you know only uh, <laughs> Richard. I never did. <laughs> <laughs> and this is the guy. This is the guy that tells other GMs not to be a dick. <laughs> <laughs> I well, made I my say, players work for what they were. Mm. Well, that's, you know, that's did, what you call I, it. <laughs> I did the I did the same thing. I, Bruce, I did the same thing too because that's what the rules said. You roll them as you, you get them as you roll them. You know, so you if you get eighteen strength, you're, you're lucky. If you get four strength, well, that's what it rolled. Well, you know? <laughs> I, I rolled. We my- had a character with a zero charisma, absolute mm-hmm. zero. So what did we do? She took makeup, she took other stuff, and she worked herself up into a good ten, yeah. but only because of her skills. Yeah, we we in your in and uh, your uh, uh, fringeworthy game, we had one character that uh, had a uh, zero intelligence, uh, but a twenty in demolition. Mm. That was uh, that was a fun character. <laughs> It means he was specialized. It means he was yeah. he was good at what he did. He didn't necessarily oh, knew anything else, that, but yeah. he was damn good blowing stuff up. That's right. He could make grass explode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking. I'm thinking during my my Bureau 13 game I ran when I was in the army. Uh, one of the guys rolled a 20 for his accuracy. I mean, Ooh. this is guy. Yeah. Oh yeah. Which meant half the time he he was able to do a critical hit. You know, based on the rules, you know, you know, was a sniper. Except that he was the guy. He's also the guy that rolled a high, a high, a high charisma and a high intelligence and a high, you know, and basically he was the smart guy who also could, you know, pick off a fly at a hundred yards with a, with a pistol, you know? Right. What systems uh, or mechanics actually do promote courage? Savage worlds. Okay. It's got the hero die. Mm-hmm. All right, so that means that even if wild you roll, di- wild die, yeah. it has a wild die and it also has bennies, which means yes. that you know if if you want to do something outside your your um, you know your comfort zone, um, even if you fail, you have a chance to redeem yourself. Does that you think that would encourage? Um, you know, does that well, mechanic encourage uh, uh, courageous play? I well, think, yes, actually, it does. Yeah, because because you've also remembered that in Sarah's Worlds you also have to take a major hindrance and two minor hindrances, and one of those major hindrances could be like a phobia or a behavior like you're bloodthirsty. Now you have to pull back that bloodthirstiness and not kill the guy, which may take some doing. And you know, or you have, or you you you're you you have the hindrance of of loyal. You know, being very loyal to your friends. Well, uh, that you may have to leave them behind, and that will take some courage. So yes, there's some built-in with the various hindrances you can take, some things you that will go against your character's, you know, uh, beliefs and so forth that you that they're like built into the game, and you can you and the GM can work out. You know, does your character leave the other players in that trap to go and do something else? You know, or whatever, yeah. Or do you, or you stay with them because you're loyal? It, it can go both ways. Jim can use that as a way to get you know feed you bennies. You stay there, you get a benny. You leave, well, it's going to cost you a benny to, to do that, to leave. So yeah, I would say that helps. That helps. That can help a bit because it, it, it will play into your into your character's hindrances, into his weaknesses. Yeah. 
if, if you if you had a game where um, the weaker you were, uh, the more experience you got when you went through an encounter, do you think that would encourage courageous play? Uh, because you're you know you. you you're getting rewarded. You're getting a, a something to encourage me, and, and this is encouraging the player, of course, uh, to go and push ahead, even though your character is feeling tired and and sore and and, and might be slightly injured or or low in resources like spells or ammo or something. But you know, it, it, you, the player knows that if he pushes ahead at this point, then. Uh, they're going to end up with more experience and they're going to end up being more, and they, if they survive, they'll end up being more capable. Now, is that, is that mirroring courage or is that just greed? I don't know. I mean, there are some, yeah, that's a good question. There are systems, there are some systems out there where you want to get a tick mark against a, a stat because that means you can then test it later on and it's easier to test a low stat than a high stat or a low skill versus a high skill. So it means you will try to use those more often. So you, you will be using your weaker skill and it doesn't matter if you succeed or fail, you'll get that tick mark, which allows you then to do something with that. You know, like I think, but I believe RuneQuest does that. And I, I can't remember another, another system does that, but you can gather tick marks to speak. Uh, Burning wheel does a variation of that where you, where the more you use a skill, the more you, you'll pick up, um, uh, challenge tick marks like it was this easy, a difficult, uh, challenging. Did you spend fate on it? Did you spend a deed on a skill? You know things like that, and they all help you improve that skill. It means you. It means you want to hit those low skills because they go up faster when you use them. And um, yeah, Richard, did you did you have some thoughts on this? Um, I like that check system, that uh, fix system. Mm-hmm. That's actually good. I know we, we played the uh, the uh, the Buck Rogers space. Um, what was it? When with the uh, black hole thing in the swirl thing or slipstream? I think the slipstream. slipstream. Yes, we played strips. Strip slipstream. <laughs> that too. <laughs> and it was actually it was a lot of fun, and we we were pushed. We we all kind of became heroes. The the GM ran it as more of a combat situation, and we we dragged role playing in and had a great time. For example, in Savage Worlds, if every time you did something courageous, the GM gave you a Benny, okay, uh, and then you would know therefore that you had those Bennies. The kind of backed up later on when you faced the big bad and it would allow you to to overcome them or to do crazy you know more outrageous and 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 heroic things would that would that encourage courageous play it did okay I, so is that what he, is that what he did this is one of the reasons that tritech actually put out a set of i think it was 30 or 40 benny cards Basically, you flipped them right or you know, up or down, and you could use them, you could play them, that kind of thing. I think we're going to be putting those up free off the website. Uh, something I did in my campaign, the Maze World campaign I was running, and I've, I've used it since. It's akin, okay, in Pathfinder, you know, which is OGL, they have hero points, and you get three 
And I think there are feats that you can get more. But basically, they're like action points in D20 Modern. And a way for... You, you get one back every level. And also, if you, like, do story rewards and whatnot, you know, like, you finish the plot, you get one back. But I also added another one. Another way to get them back. And it's it's like the win moments in movies. You do something spectacular. You go out there... And yeah, this is more flash, but it's still, you're doing what it takes to get the job done. It just happens that you do it with style. And so that was a reward for B. If you do something courageous and and it's seen and it's a wow moment, you got a hero point back. Now, whether you used it or not, you just did something and it went off, that's fine, you got an extra hero point up to, you know, your limit. But if you were to use the hero point and you pull it off doing something courageous and flashy, you get that hero point back. So, yeah, that was a mechanic that allowed for being courageous in the face of extreme danger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, speak your hero points. Like we used to play uh, Truth and Justice, which use. Hero points, similar the similar way that uh, 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 Sarah's Rolls uses bennies, and that they can use them to, to do things. Also, hero points allow you to uh, do things such as dictate things in game. You know, basically state a fact, and you can spend hero points and make that fact real, at least in game. Uh, and there's one and ways to get them was to do, like you said, heroic things. Also, uh, there was one the, the, the way to get the most hero points. Was to accept a revolting development. You can get up to D t- D10 hero points out of that. That's great. <laughs> a revolting development. What a revolting development this is. Yeah, basically, your, your character is in a really bad situation, which could then lead to the heroic act because you're going to need all those hero points to get out of that revolting development. Right. At that point, it, it sounds like a, a thing where the player themselves has to narrate what the revolting development is because uh, it's it's going to be very personal to his character, I imagine. Well, no, it's 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 usually it actually comes from the GM. Actually, only the GM can give you the revolting development. Now, oh. unlike fate, fate. We have all these aspects. You have your high concept and you have your weakness, the, which the GM can you know, give you a fate point to, to enact, or you yourself can self-compel and get a fate point for that. So you can, you know, like my one character in the last uh, game I was running, uh, Bulldog's game, his weakness was he was a danger magnet. So yeah, I would enact that sucker left and right, to, and, you, and get my character in all sorts of trouble. Which would then either he has to he had to do something to get himself out, or get rescued by the other players. So yeah, it's it's a way of maybe not directly you know being courageous, but giving people reasons to be courageous on my behalf. Mm-hmm. So so that's that is another tactic is that is. Do you have do you have to be the courageous one, or can or can your actions make someone else be courageous? I think that's a, a, a viable option. I believe okay. is yeah you, know, you know you can be the, the 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 fair maiden though in this case he was a droid, but you know can you be the fair droid who needs rescuing all the time? <laughs> well, speaking of that, uh, you know a lot of systems make basically have everybody pretty much at the same level all the time. Okay, but some other systems don't have any problem about having disparate 
levels of power, let's use that term, and where you could have really strong, you could have some strong characters and you could have some medium characters and some really weak characters. So if you have that kind of a mixed group, Okay, does having those vulnerable characters, does that get in the way of doing uh, courageous things? Or does it instead uh, op- offer opportunities to be courageous because you're having to protect those weaker characters? So I'm thinking of games where you, you, you don't point by, but you actually roll up your stats so a character can start out really crappy stats. Well, I'm talking about the fact that a lot of games, for example, you lose, you bring a new character in and you don't have to bring them in at the same level as everybody else. You could bring in a fledgling character when everybody else is at other levels. You know, oh, yeah. basically a group becomes over time uh, an aggregate of levels because of people dying, people leaving, replacing them. And as long as you don't have a, a thing that says everybody comes in at the same level as the, high, as the average character or the, the highest level character minus one, then you may have this situation. And if you do have this situation, does that mean you're like, well, we could really go and fight that dragon, you know, but we got John here. And... He can't. He won't. He won't make it. That's never stopped. And my group, we were they were playing a Savage Warhammer's hack. My friend Ed, Ed, Edward Matheny created, and I came in about oh six sessions later. So I, you know, I was, you know, my character, you know, uh, was definitely not the same level as the other players, and yet I was still fairly effective because that's the way savage worlds work you, you could easily make a character who's who's a combat master uh, master or monster at you know so to speak first level if you know what you're doing and i was playing a warrior and then he, of course he got killed in a fairly horrible way but courageously i would say because he was taken over by a demonic sword and toward the end there he basically fought it off enough so that his friends could kill him and free him from the sword. <laughs> so yeah, he died that way. The next one died and it died in a bunch of zombies, which wasn't very heroic, right? Or at all, yeah. But, I don't, but you're you know, address- I don't think you're addressing my question, John. But but yes, but my character, I felt no, I, I didn't. We know there was no worry, there was no compunction or worry about. Oh, John, you know, John's character is you know he's only a, he's only a, um, uh, a novice. And we're all vet, and we're all uh, uh, veterans. No, nope, never stopped anyone. It, you know, it, 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 no one worried worried about me. You is know, that I, because I, they just didn't worry, or is it? Be, yeah, I mean, was it was it being? Were you being callous, or was it just the fact that the the game system it it, it didn't seem to matter? You had less things you could do well uh, at, at as you would at higher levels, but you did you could still be effective. I, I'm, I'm I'm saying is, is, is yes. Okay. Yeah, it's Savage Sar- it's Worlds. Yeah, so yeah, like I said, my character was actually just as good a shot yeah. and good with a sword as, as the other characters. Right. It's just that he, he didn't have as many extra uh, edges or any or, or, or as many skills as, right. as some did, but I still uh, was effective. Okay, so Tra- Trav, what do you think about this? Do you think that having low-level characters in a, in a group actually inhibits the, 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 the rest of the characters from doing deeds that would require more courage? Having a low-level character inhibiting higher-level characters from doing stuff. I mean, within their their acknowledged boundaries, if you got a bunch of 15th-level characters 
going up against, you know, equivalent, that CR-10, he's going to do what he thinks he can. He knows that there are just certain things that he's like, above my pay grade, I no. But he's still going to do the best he can. That is the concept of a hero. You do the best you can under the circumstances to get the job done. So I, I don't think that the the more powerful character is going to be inhibited in any way except for, you know, wanting to protect their less powerful comrade. But I don't think that's going to stop them from from being courageous, no. I, I don't I don't know. No, it's fine. I, I'm really I'm, I'm seriously asking the question because I, my experience has been the same, that it doesn't seem to matter whether you have weak characters or not. The rest of the characters just forge on ahead and says, well, you know, let's, let the chips fall where they may. And uh, I always thought that was a little, I always thought that was a little bit um, um, uncaring about those level of characters. But, you know, it's, it, as it turned out, it, it always seemed to work out. So, you know, uh, I just wondered if, of other people's experience, you know. Oh, okay. And whether or not the, uh, the, the high-level characters felt they had an obligation to be, you know, to, to as they say, throw themselves in front of the, the low-level character and, 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 and throw themselves into more danger than they otherwise would because they had agreed. They had a more, did they have a moral obligation to protect this person because they were with the group and they were obviously you know, lower level in power? And my thought is if only the character will later on be quite an asset to the group. That, yeah, you take the kid with you and you train the kid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. I I think that they're still going to be courageous despite the fact that they are not quite as combat-hardened as the others. And again, that's just chalking up the mindset of a heroic character. I was um, thinking about uh, Hero System. And in Hero System, you're allowed to push your powers and skills. Yeah. So, you know, and of course, usually it means that it costs you a lot in endurance or you gain levels of stun and things like that. Yeah. Is, you know, is that a mechanic that... Um, that encourages you to do heroic and, and courageous things? Because it seems like it would to me. But but knowing you have that extra push may allow you to face, a, to me, it was a face something that you otherwise do, wouldn't think that you'd be able to take. You know, I, I, if, I, if I'm lucky and I, and, I, and I push my abilities, you know, and I push forward, you know, I, I, we might be able to take it. We might be able to stop the evil, you know, cyborg before he takes over the world, you know. But, you know, uh, you know in a game system where that wasn't there, you might say, well, you know, he's level 15 and we're level 10. And that's just, you know, the, the rules say that that's impossible. So, you know, there's no point in doing that. A game where you could actually push your abilities might actually close that gap and and therefore yeah. give you reason to have courage, you know, and and go ahead and, and and try to you know to to win through, win the day. You fight a villain, and you are you have that that level discrepancy, and you get your keister handed to you. You survive, but I mean, you're limping away. You barely make it through. Courage can be role-played by, let's say, you get new weaponry, new armor, 
you feel a little more confident. You feel a little more bold. You're going to go back against that guy. And, you know, a lot of people and, and players and characters will have that grudge match. I had that in my Saturday game. Characters playing a dragon went up against a bigger dragon. You know, it's that whole use your shield to get carried out on it. Gwen got carried out on it. So <sighs> regirded, got things going again. And yeah, that dragon learned the error of its ways. But it was courageous. And it was, we role played it where it was just, the the player was just like, no, no, uh, this is not happening again. This character is going to find out I'm at the top of the food chain. <laughs> So yeah. do, you, do you think a system of crits and um, and fumbles aids or um, or, or hurts a heroic play, a, a courageous play? Hmm. Oh, crits? Yeah. Uh, definitely, because the fact that you can sit there and get that shot, you know, that you can make the shot in the one place that smog does not have a scale. You know, that that you're willing to take that chance. Now, fumbles, the, the, okay, the risk, the chance that there is the risk of a fumble and you still go through with the shot knowing that there is that chance you're going to miss, that's, that's courage, that's, that's playing despite a weakness inherent in the character, either due to rules or due to, excuse me, how the character's written up. Like, let's say your character has hindrances, like in Savage World. It, that's part of the backstory. Now, the fact that you have critical fumbles, such as, you know, rolling a nat one in, in OGL, and you still go through. I wouldn't say it's a hindrance. I'm trying to look for the term here. Occupational hazard. I wouldn't say it's so much a hindrance, it's just part of the game. There is that chance that you're going to miss. Yet you still go through and you make you pick up the D twenty and roll it anyways. Okay, so you know knowing that, that though you normally wouldn't be able to do it, there's a chance because of this critical hits system of winning winning the day. You're saying that would give you courage, even though you know that the the guy you're facing also has that critical hit chance. Oh, then that's just a level playing field. <laughs> That's all that is. I but it's still, I mean, you know, yes, he has a chance of just taking you out, but he al he already had the advantage because he was more powerful than you. But the fact that you have this ability to win through and, and beat him, you know, by you being lucky, my question is, is it, does that, you know, does the fact that he has it also, is that like just not even important? It's just the fact that you have it is what allows you to, you know, to be more courageous because you now have a chance. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Yes. Okay. I mean, you, you, talk, you mentioned Saris Worlds, I and mean, Saris Worlds, depend, uh, what, you, what you're rolling for, there is the critical failure when you roll ones and both dice, both the your your trait die and the well die. And if you don't have a Benny to re-roll that, it's a critical failure. Uh, so that's one thing. But you also, see, in Saris Worlds, you also have what I consider the awesome sauce, which is... 
your your dice can explode, which is if you if you roll the the maximum number, like you roll a six on a d six, you roll an eight on a d eight, you get to roll again. And if you roll another eight, you roll again, and keep on adding that number up until you uh, get a big number. Which in the original rules could give you a whole bunch of uh, bennies, but in the uh, deluxe rules, the new the current rules, you only get one. What's called a raise, but this also happens for damage. And I, I've seen characters. Who basically we're doing like two d six damage, roll a thirty two, because of the exploding dice. Oh no, I know plenty of systems that had that. If you roll like in a oh gosh, I'm blank. The DC Heroes game. If you kept roll, <coughs> excuse me. If you kept rolling doubles on those d tens, you kept rolling until you stopped rolling doubles, and you could have. Robin do something on the level of Superman, it's rare, but it happens. So you are willing to do that that courageous act because there is that chance you could pull it off. Oh yeah. I mean I've had I've had bad guys go down in one blow because of that fact. Right. You know, the person just starts rolling sixes and it's like, ah, 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 how many raises is that? That's 10 raises on it over, over his uh, wounds. Okay. I spend some, I'll spend a Benny. He rolls. He takes one of those off. Okay. He dies. He dies horribly. <laughs> uh, an open-ended resolution system mm-hmm. because it can produce these rather, rather mm-hmm. uh, amazing results. Actually, you're saying encourages people to do things that otherwise uh, mm-hmm. they would not seem to be able to do. Uh, yeah. And as compared to a game like Dungeons and Dragons, where your mace will do a <laughs> D8 of damage, and if you get a crit, you know you might get two. Uh, unless of course it's a special crit chart, um, you get two D- uh, D8 damage, so like 16, and you're facing a hundred hit point dragon. At that point, you know you, what you're really doing is you're running in there and you're being a target, you know, so that you know. In other words, you're taking a hit for the team, so the rest of the team can beat on the dragon who's more powerful, hopefully. Or yeah. So that's it. It's, it it doesn't have those. You know, it doesn't until you're high level. It doesn't promote those moments of glory like other game systems that have open-ended uh, resolutions are able to achieve. I mean, that is one thing I always liked about uh, Tri-Tech games, uh, the original rules, was that it doesn't matter how many hit points you have, how much armor you have. A bullet in a brain is a bullet in a brain. <laughs> it kills you anyway. This is Bruce Sheffer saying there are a million, million worlds out there, so go explore them. This is John Ryer saying keep your powder dry and keep those cards and letters coming in. This is Blix. Don't hate the game, hate the players. This is Richard Tahoka. Wait till you see what's coming next. And this is Trav. There's a reason why it's called gaming. It's for having fun. Yo, brothers. This was the Tri-Tech Games Podcast. You know the drill. It's protected under the Creative Commons License 3.0. No commercial reproduction, no derivatives, and sucker. You best attribute this to the folks at Tri-Tech Games. And if you don't, we'll be after your sorry butts. Cause we're some bad mothers.
Hi, this is Trav of the Travcast, Hour 3 of Blind Wolf's Rubber Room Association on DementiaRadio.org, Tuesdays, 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern.